This week on The Vergecast, Alex Kranz, Ashley Carmen, and Alex Heath join the show. We talk about Facebook, Google, and Apple. Apple's app tracking has had a huge impact on Facebook's earnings and Google's earnings. We get into more Spotify and Joe Rogan. The CEO had comments this week that Ashley leaked. And we do a little lightning round on other headlines. That's all coming up on The Vergecast now. Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking. So why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hello and welcome to Virtuast, the flagship podcast of being a platform and not a publisher. I wasn't, I wasn't going to do it, and then I, it just happened. I'm so sorry to everyone. I'm also sorry because Dieter still isn't here, and I'm quite frankly just at a loss. I don't know how to handle it. So, in classic Indian mom fashion, I'm dealing with whatever emotions I'm having by having all the people I can together at once. So Ashley Carmen is here. Hello. Alex Heath is here. Hi. And Alex Kranz is here. Hello. Everyone, I'm just going to feed everybody, and that's how we're dealing with my emotional state. The Dieter isn't. I think he's back next week. <laughs> God bless him. He's on vacation. He deserves it. No one can see you cry in the metaverse. It's okay, Neelai. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know one of you were in here with this? A long time ago when we used to go to CS, like in force, and the whole video team was there, we would make these videos, like on the last day, like art project videos, just like a reward for the video team. And so we did one that was Ross Miller, our managing editor at the time, spending a whole day at CES. Like the concept was he he lived at CES. I remember this. There's a scene in it where he's crying in a VR headset. It's like just very <laughs> funny. But that was just like our little joke, our project video. And then months later, this was when the media could still like play pranks and lie and it wasn't a threat to democracy. We did an April Fool's joke that we were going to buy a Super Bowl ad like as a stunt. So we put up this post and deleted it that said we had bought a Super Bowl ad and we had made a Super Bowl ad. So there was like an unlisted YouTube link in this thing. And we left it up just long enough for people to click on it. So this over-the-top Super Bowl ad that we had made featured this scene of Ross crying in the headset and everyone thought we were serious. My God. We did. I, this is true. We bought airtime on the Super Bowl in Helena, Montana, and we sent a local university student to a Buffalo Wild Wings to watch our Super Bowl ad. In Helena, Montana. So it's true. How'd anyway. it do? Did it do really well? I was like, did people stop? And she's like, they were all pretty confused. <laughs> <laughs> all that's pretty prophetic, really, if you think about it. Uh, I was right. And it turned out we should have just bought the, the full bill. We should have run the national campaign. I'm going to talk to our CEO after the show. Anyway, regardless of all that, it's kind of a gigantic week of news. There's a lot of themes in the news, but we have to start with I mean, Facebook had earnings yesterday. It was a huge miss. The stock is tanking. It's taking like the whole stock market down with it. 
Yes. Mark Zuckerberg addressed the company today. He said that he'd scratched his eye, so he might start crying, but it was not because of earnings. It was because he had scratched his eye. This is all true. Alex, walk us through what is happening with Facebook. Yeah, so Meta slash Facebook has been saying for a while that these Apple ad tracking changes, which is that prompt you see when you open an iOS app um, asking if you want to be tracked, that that's going to hurt them quite a bit. We hadn't really seen what that looked like until this quarter, the fourth quarter, and it was bad. And they said it's going to stay bad for a while. They're projecting to lose $10 billion in revenue this year alone just from Apple's changes. And so it was a combination of that and also the fact that Facebook, Core Blue, lost daily users globally for the first time ever. Um, so for 30-plus quarters, it's been nonstop up and to the right. This time they lost a million users in North America, which is their key market where they make the most money. And this all kind of feeds into the narrative that we and others have been reporting on, on, you know, Facebook is obviously losing touch with young people um, to a lot of competition. And just the theme of, it was a very downbeat earnings call. And, you know, I think meta Facebook earning calls are always pretty interesting, but this one was like very, it felt like, um, you know, they were under siege and Mark Zuckerberg was talking about how competition has never been fiercer and, um, which plays conveniently into the whole antitrust <laughs> debate, which we'll get into. But I do think it's real that TikTok is eating their lunch in terms of where people are spending time and uh, the news feed is lame. So they're trying to figure all that out. So they've got this kind of competitive pressure on the business side and on the product consumer side, all kind of converging at once in a really nasty quarter. And so, yes, they lost over $200 billion in market value in one day, which is a record that they had set themselves in 2018 uh, previously. So they've set both records for most market cap lost in a day. And I saw some chart about how they drove down the entire NASDAQ or something with them. Uh, so yeah, pretty nuts. You really love an overachiever. Like that's just going out there and doing their best in the worst way possible. Oh, Facebook's like a like a like a college partier. They're up big, they're down big. You never know what's going to happen. You never know. They party hard, they work hard. <laughs> well, I I wanted to ask the 1 million lost users, were those people that just quit? Well, so those are DAUs, which um, you know, daily active users. The global monthly users were up a little bit. But that's a lot easier to cheat. Like I've heard stories about like engineering, you know, departments in Facebook where like they can just kind of scramble some buttons and notifications to like prop up MAU and get them to their growth goals like at the end of every quarter if they need to. It's a lot harder to fake daily users. And that's kind of their North Star metric in terms of like the health of the platform. And it's what Snap and Twitter and everyone else kind of guides towards. Um, and so the fact that they lost those DAUs and they couldn't eke out a little bit of growth even in like some other part of the world where they're always usually growing was notable. And also the backdrop, like I said to that, is like they've been saying in the reporting from the Facebook files and everything has been showing that they're very, very weak with young people and that young people just aren't even getting on their apps uh, like a whole generation. So that's like a kind of existential threat for them that we kind of saw come to light for sure in the numbers this quarter. So Ashley, for a long time you covered Instagram Instagram was Facebook's youth play. Mm -hmm. You and I have spent a lot of time talking on this show, talking to executives about Instagram is coming, becoming a shopping destination. 
they're going to make it a catalog. It was the cool thing that they had. Yeah. the And, you know, recently live video shopping, like shopping still seems like potentially the place they go, like Pinterest, you shop it basically. I just don't think of like cool young kids in live video shopping. Well, you never know if the algorithm's good enough. Everyone dresses like an Instagram influencer now. It's like TikTok. <laughs> it's like TikTok too. It's all kind of the same, but like you go on Instagram to buy from like Shein or whatever. I do want to say, like using myself as an example, I used to occasionally check Facebook daily just to be like, okay, let's just see. I literally go weeks now. And Instagram, it'll be a thing where at 9 p.m. I'm like, oh shit, I haven't checked Instagram today. Yeah. It just feels like that's more and more. Maybe, maybe I'm just getting older and I don't care as much, but it does feel kind of just like less relevant. It's become a shopping mall. I mean, that's the thing. Like it, the moment, so there's this like pattern that always plays out with Facebook products where they start off as like your close friends or your college or your high school or whatever, and they become shopping malls because like there's just a constant race for revenue. And so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, that's the worry is that Instagram is becoming less cool. It's definitely more cool than Facebook blue, but definitely not what it used to be. And, you know, like, I think like, so th this guy named Nikita Beer who sold uh, the last social media app Facebook's actually acquired since all the antitrust scrutiny, he squeaked this one in, in like 2018, 2017, it's called, it was called TBH. He left recently. So he sold his company to Facebook and he, he kind of like analyzed earnings and I totally agree. He was like, Facebook's hands are tied because they've got TikTok eating their lunch. They can't acquire because of antitrust. They can't build internally because founders don't want to be there. This is a guy who was a founder and went there and left. Uh, Apple killed their ability to target ads and the metaverse is 10 years out and they're losing billions a year on it. So they've got all this pressure of like trying to spend their way out of irrelevance, I guess you could say. So we should talk about the, the metaverse thing and then I, I want to spend some time on, on the Apple side because um, it's fascinating. You, you said lost $10 billion. That's the headline I've seen everywhere. I, like, I don't know if lost is the right word, right? It wasn't like, where'd it go? They, <laughs> like, <laughs> they know they're going to lose the money. Like, they are pouring money into this yeah. at, at just an absurd rate. They are poaching everyone. There was a Business Insider story yesterday about HoloLens 3 being kind of like a mess. Yeah. And that team not knowing and like everyone leaving and going to Facebook. Because Facebook will just like hand you a bag. Like if you work in tech and you have ever seen a VR headset, like Facebook will just like give you the bag, right? Like it's nuts. <laughs> that to me is like lost. It doesn't seem like the right phrase. Like they know what they're investing in. They know why they're investing in it. They know exactly how much they're, they're losing in terms of money. But that bet is a right 10 years off. Yeah, I mean, at least. I mean, it's, it's kind of just the fact that it's so uncertain, I think, is a problem for investors because they're not breaking out like sales numbers for the Oculus Quest, for example. Um, and the revenue they're making from it is nowhere near close to offsetting the losses. I think it was like $2 billion or something last year on like a 10 plus billion loss. But you're right. It's not fair to say that it's all just lost. I mean, they've got 15,000 plus people working in this division. They're just paying everyone top of market in the industry to try to like suck up all the talent because they can't buy things. They can't even buy Supernatural, as we've talked about on here. That's under antitrust review. And so that's the thing that's happening. But like, it's just wild to put that stat in context that like they spent more last quarter on this than the entire ARVR startup industry raised last year. Like in one quarter, they're spending more than the entire startup ecosystem on ARVR. So it's just, it's like they are the ARVR industry <laughs> in terms of spend. <laughs> and it's like, is that going to work out? TBD? Yeah. Oh, actually, one thing I want to say, 
this has been going around today. So the antitrust bills that are in Congress are they have market cap baselines. <laughs> so you have that. to have a six hundred billion dollar market cap to get hit by the proposed rules. And Facebook is crashing so fast that it might go under the <laughs> under six hundred billion in terms of market cap and then not be affected by the antitrust rules that are proposed. I think it's on a two year average, but yes, I mean chestnut checkers. If uh, <laughs> if we can just torch our market cap enough, we won't be regulated. Years. So it's interesting. We talk about antitrust a lot. Like, are these regulators going to get it right? How they will affect the markets? What are the downstream effects? Right next to that is Apple, which just was like. Fuck you. <laughs> right? And tur- like, turned off the ability for cookies to track across sites and apps. It's had a huge impact across every social media platform. I think f- it's crazy to me that Facebook wasn't able to find a way through it. They've been talking about it for a long time. Obviously, Q4 is when a lot of shopping happens. And then right next to that, Google had huge earnings. They broke $200 billion in revenue. They said their e-commerce search ads are up. And Facebook just like called out Google. They're like, well, Google has a sweetheart deal with Apple. Yeah. I mean, that's just like shocking to me. It was very shocking. So yeah, the CFO of Meta uh, on the earnings call basically insinuated that Apple and Google are colluding to screw them, uh, to screw Meta. And I'm not sure I buy that. I think that's a little bit of like, look over there. um, And we're like mad about Apple. But it is interesting, yeah, that it's like there was some analyst report today that was like, it's, this week it turns out if you're in bed with Apple, you're doing really well. And if you're not, you know, you're screwed essentially, um, which like speaks to platform power and maybe like the fact that platforms should be regulated more harshly than these other kinds of businesses, um, which is something I agree with. But um, yeah, I don't know what I make of that. I mean, the argument is that, you know, Google pays Apple billions of year, billions a year for default search place, placement in Safari, right? And that Apple's ad tracking thing doesn't hurt browsers. It specifically carves out browsers. So if, you know, you're able to track people as they move around the web, that's okay. Safari does have cookie blocking in it. We should note that. But um, Google is all first party. So basically Apple defined tracking as like, tracking is when I'm sharing data between companies. And if I do that, the user needs to give me permission. The problem is Google is like the internet, right? And so it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, like we own Chrome, we own YouTube, we own search. Like we don't need to share your data. Marketers definitely use third-party data for Google ads, but Google's fine. And if anything, this is also about like, I don't want to get too nerdy here, but this is about measurement. And what Apple's effectively done is delay how Facebook can report the um, how ads are go- how ads are going on their platform. So it used to be like real time. Like you used to be able to adjust your budget and see things in real time. Now it's very delayed. Google doesn't have that problem because they're not hurt by this prompt the way that Facebook is. And so what's happening is like marketers are going. I can get way better performance and like optimization and see things in Google because of this ad tracking change not really hurting them. So the argument is basically just like. There's something going on here. As long as this agreement with them on the search placement uh, default exists, Apple's not incentivized to be consistent in its philosophy of of tracking. That's the argument. I, so I don't know if I buy that. Like, I, I love it. I mean, <laughs> I, am, I am here for the argument. But how are you going to right? So Google owns Chrome, and they get in a lot of trouble for tracking Chrome. And they recently threw out God, I missed Theater. They recently threw out Flock, which is their their cookie replacement idea. They've got a new idea for that. Who knows when anybody will sign up for it? 
But like, if you are a small business, Facebook loves to talk about small business. Your flower shop. By the way, every CEO on Decoder when they talk about small businesses, they always go to the flower shop. It's a weird. We should just do a clip show about flower shops. So you're the flower shop, right? And you're like, I want to target people to make them buy more flowers. Before you could go on Facebook and like set your region and find people who had birthdays coming up or who in their network were about to experience an event. And you could like turn the knobs on how much you were spending and immediately see how many conversions you were getting into people buying flowers in your online store, right? Like this is your, and now you can't do that. It's much harder. Well, you can just take that money and give it to Google, right? And like Google can tell you like people are searching for flowers in your area, put ads in front of their face. There is nothing Apple can do to block that, to make that stop. Maybe you can be mad that Google has, they pay the money to be the default on Apple devices. They're getting sued over this, right? This, the reason we know this is because of antitrust lawsuits. Mm-hmm. But you can't be like Apple's treating us unfairly when one thing is a social network and the other thing is a search engine. And search engines tend to give you perfect data about things people want because they type in the thing they want. Yeah, no, totally. But I guess the argument to play devil's advocate is that Apple was being super high-minded about this and saying it's about privacy kind of at a at a macro level and that tracking is bad at a macro level, when in reality they've defined a very specific def- like subset of tracking that specifically hurts apps. <laughs> <laughs> and like Google definitely has a ton of information. It builds profiles based on our searches. It has, you know, ways of connecting the dots. It has huge parts of the internet under its eye. And so like Google knows more about us than anyone, you know, maybe V meta, meta, but not anymore because of the tracking changes. So like, yeah, I mean, I do see that argument a little bit that like these two are in cahoots because I mean, the, some of the estimates are like 10 plus billion a year Google's paying Apple, which is like a meaningful, I mean, it's, Apple makes a lot of money, but it's a, in terms of margin, that's like free, right? That's like free profit. And yeah. that, it would be very meaningful if Apple lost that money and uh, it would be felt in the earnings reports. And so I kind of do see that. I just like, I don't think Apple has been super um, ideologically like consistent with its definition of tracking. So I would like to, I, I wonder if that will extend to browsers ever, you know, obviously they've been consistent with Safari and trying to block cookies and trackers and stuff. But what do you mean by browsers? Like Safari is the browser on the iPhone right. and every other browser is just a skin of Safari. Right. I guess even Chrome is te- Chrome on the iPhone is still yeah. technically a skin, right? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so you, you're, you're not a buyer of this argument, Neil, it sounds like. Do I buy the big companies do shady backroom deals? Yes, I buy it. Do I think that Facebook is protesting a bit too much because the money moved from social networks to search? Yeah, I get it. Like, I, if I had money to spend, which I do not have any money to spend on ads, but if I was to put out another Super Bowl ad for The Verge and I was like, where will I know there's a conversion? Well, Google will tell me and Facebook cannot. And I think that's meaningful to a lot of people. I will say Google is a monopoly in ads. Like, they're also being sued by like 36 states or whatever right now because at every part of the ad stack they run the number one or number two provider like service provider and there's obviously collusion up and down that chain i mean isn't it it kind of writes itself right like sundar going to tim and being like look we like paying you all this money but we'd like a little kickback like and tim's like i got you i got you like (laughs) I mean, yeah. that's, how that that's how it goes, right? That's business. Amy Klobuchar is like in the bushes with one of those like <laughs> shotgun mics. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I'm just fully like tin hat on this. Like it absolutely seem, feels like collusion from the outside. Just I'm 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 not as in it as you guys are, and just but watching it and watching how Facebook, who's always been treated kind of like as the gauche little brother of these other companies, get absolutely brutalized by their agreements that they weren't that Facebook wasn't included in it's like yeah I I can see how they were like nah you have to go sit in a corner and and take your like 200 billion dollar or whatever it was loss while we're gonna go rake in cash because we do it the proper way we do it like (laughs) the appropriate acceptable socially acceptable way of stealing of like mining everybody's identity for profit because they're all like all three of them are doing it to some extent. That's that's the point. Yeah, Google has a more acceptable version, and so these comp- it really does feel like Facebook is is you know definitely under the like everybody cares much more about Facebook regulatory wise wise right because besides being the big ad people, they're also the big putting Trump in charge, misinformation, all of that stuff. They're kind of like the bad kid. And everybody's oh, if like, you're a politician in America and you said you, you're mad at Facebook, like that's a winning argument no matter what party you're in. Yeah. And I think a lot like for me, it's almost like, OK, well, they're getting they're getting regulated the hell out of them. Like that's nobody's going to avoid that. We have to separate ourselves as much as possible, even though we're doing kind of the same thing. We have to like push ourselves further away from them by saying, no, no, no. They do it through an app. They, they're, they're much more holistic in how they, they mine our data. We're like, we're cool. Don't, don't bug us in, in how we mine your data. We're fine over here. Like go, go, if you're, go regulate the hell out of them. I, I guess I agree with that. And I guess my like, yeah, the point here I think is that if you think mining people's data to like build profiles of them and target them super specifically is de facto bad. Google is no worse than Meta. I just think that's a fair thing to say. Right. Yeah. And honestly, like a big part of Meta's business was we'll advertise apps and free to play games inside of the thing and they'll convert. Like that's a big business line for them is app installs. Like where did TikTok come from? They bought Facebook ads. (laughs) That's how they acquired their user base. And like now they're now there's huge competitor. Like Apple turned that business off for Facebook and they're trying to redirect all those dollars to their own app store ads. Is that does that seem correct? Or like maybe it's competitive, but there is just like a unilateral Apple controls a platform and they've decided what's acceptable. And it's unclear, like, well, Google's tracking you too. If you're signed into all of the Google apps on your phone and you are signed into Google in Safari. They can target you just as well as Facebook ever did. Yeah, I mean, the biggest issue with the Google-Apple deal, I mean, it's just slimy in every respect. I think it just gives me EBGBs. Also, the fact that they will not publicly acknowledge it. We're only getting this piecemeal through discovery and litigation, right? Like, this is like if, if one company is paying the other billions of dollars a year, but the two refuse to talk about it, that's usually a good sign that something weird is going on with that arrangement. But the fact that, like, it monopolizes search because who is going to compete with Google on the iPhone if you can't get on the iPhone. for search if you can't be a default, right? And I think in some countries now they're starting to make Apple give people default choices like Russia or something like that. I don't know if it extends to search, but there's some regulations starting to creep into the defaults there. And Meta has wanted default messaging status forever on the iPhone and the ability to get that on first open. But like I I do think that the Google Apple thing has just really entrenched Google 
in like its most lucrative user base, which is iOS users for everyone usually. And yeah, if you're Neva or you're a search startup, you have no way of competing. So even beyond like how it affects Meta, it just is this like shady backroom deal between two of the largest companies in the world that they both refuse to talk about it. It's just, it's very strange. I will say that every time anyone has tried a browser ballot or a search ballot or a defaults ballot, the thing that was the default before always wins. Well, no one cares. That's the thing. Like, you can't get people to care about this stuff as much as you can, like, Facebook elected Trump. That's just a great soundbite. It's not true, but it's like, it just Oh, no, works. I don't mean the ballot in terms of, like, political. I mean, when you open, install Windows for the first time, and it's like, do you want Explorer or Netscape? <laughs> like, everyone still picks Explorer. In little. Europe, there is, when you install an Android phone for the first time in Europe, Due to antitrust regulations now, you get a search ballot. You got to pick your search engine. Everyone picks Google. <laughs> like, it's it's interesting how once you're entrenched, you just stay there. And, like, even if you give people on startup the ability to pick a different default, like, they're not going to pick Bing. Nothing in the world can make you pick Bing. It's duck, duck, go. <laughs> Actually, if you're a Bing user, can you just email us? Like, I really want to talk to you. Like, if you're a Bing by choice kind of kind of person, like, let me know. So in the middle of this, like other social platforms reported earnings, Snap had earnings today. Are they coming through it? Like, yeah, they're kind of under remarked upon. Snap was crazy because there was this blast radius of the meta earnings that like hit everyone. Like all these stocks were down in social media, like double digit percentage points. And then Snap posted like, hey, we're actually doing great. We just had our first like quarterly profit as a company ever. And they're up like 60 <laughs> percent. Like they swung from like 30 down to like 60 percent over and after hours in one day. Just the stock market is a giant meme now is like basically my new theory. Yeah. It's it's uh, but. Yeah, Snap has really diverged from like the growth narratives of Meta. They're actually growing quite a bit and um, seem to be navigating the Apple stuff a lot better. Yeah. I want to call out, we, we've been talking about Antrust a lot. Their Epic case is still ongoing, right? They Epic lost a bunch at the trial court level. Now they're into appeals. A bunch of states, the EFF, Microsoft, the United States of America have now all filed briefs in support of Epic. Actually, the United States brief is like kind of down the middle, like, it was very much like, this is a good thing to th consider. Uh, but Aww. Microsoft, in particular, stridently in favor of Epic. A broad ruling for Apple could leave little room for a limiting principle to prevent Apple from leveraging its control of iOS to foreclose co competition in countless adjacent markets, Microsoft says to the court. Google, the only other mobile operating system provider, could be empowered to do the same. The stakes are high for Microsoft. So in the context of all this, right, Apple just like turned off Facebook's business. Like you have this lawsuit that's burning along in Microsoft, which is huge and just made a gigantic acquisition and they're doing great being like, Hey, Apple's in control of a lot here. I think that's pretty fascinating. Did Facebook ever sue Apple for, for the changes? Like, has that, no. did that ever happen? They, uh, were preparing an antitrust lawsuit, um, and they haven't filed it. I think, uh, it's kind of like you're out on the battlefield looking at the other line and it's like, who goes first? And then how many bodies are you willing to lose based on whoever goes first? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like that scene in game of Thrones. And so, yeah, it's kind of like a game of chicken, but, um, they're not the only one either. Like a lot of companies, even ones that publicly say they're like, agree with the philosophy behind Apple's changes are privately fuming about it. Um, but yeah, they were looking at that for a while. Facebook filing an antitrust lawsuit against Apple. Oh, it's just oh facing all the government. Chef's it's kiss. very good. Yes. Yes. Um, 
we got to take a break. The other company that is often mad at Apple for its control of its platform is Spotify. Spotify is in the coalition of app fairness. They want the default. This is the name of the thing. I get it. I didn't name it. Spotify in a bunch of trouble itself uh, this week. We'll come back. Ashley's going to walk us through that. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Okay, we're back. All right. Spot- Ash, the Spotify story is like out of control at this point. Yeah. But they had earnings too. They had a town hall meeting with their employees about Joe Rogan. You you heard the speech from Daniel Ack, the CEO. Walk us through it. Yeah. So, well, I think the last time y'all did Vergecast was... So last Thursday recorded. So since then, <laughs> days of Rogan ago. Yeah, I think I think this is important to contextualize. Since then, we leaked the moderation rules that Spotify has been playing by, which was like the big question. It's like, what are the rules on Spotify? Because everybody wants them to act on Joe Rogan's misinformation, and they're like, well, we're not because he's within our policy rules, our policies. Anyway, so we leaked the moderation rules on Sunday. Spotify finally formally publicly releases these moderation rules. I believe there are four rules related to COVID, one of which is just you can't deny that COVID is real. It's a good, it's an important rule. (laughs) That's critical. (laughs) Um, Another one is that you can't say that vaccines are designed to kill. Another one is that I guess I have these memorized now. This is my pop quiz. <laughs> it's only um, four of them. Yeah, but I mean, I'm still impressed. Like the amount of brain space left for Rogan things is <laughs> rapidly dwindling. Another one is you can't have COVID parties, so you can't encourage like COVID contagion parties. I don't remember the last one, but like you can see from these rules that it's pretty easy to not break them. Oh, it's not to drink bleach. Yeah, but it's bleach. I went and looked Duh. at it. <laughs> you can't tell people to drink bleach. Those are the rules. And so we can easily understand now why Joe Rogan has been kept live and why Spotify has hesitated slash has not really moderated his show, even though they say they've taken down some episodes. Rogan obviously does not, I don't think, he believes COVID is real, seemingly. And he might suggest that people don't get vaccinated, but it's not because he thinks they're designed to kill people. Didn't he get COVID? 
He's had COVID. I would hope he thinks it's real. And when Aaron Rodgers had COVID, he consulted with Joe Rogan. Right. Honestly, at any moment, I can turn this into an Aaron Rodgers conversation. So I just, Kranz, if you could keep me in line, that would be no, much appreciated. No, you can't do it. You can uh, talk about The Rock, though. Yeah. <laughs> we all have to exercise restraint here. He will potentially encourage you to take ivermectin, but not bleach. Anyway. So that was on Sunday. Daniel Lex, Spotify CEO, also with that, like issued a press release blog post, basically being like, we're a creator platform. We're a platform. We're not going to, you know, do more than this. These are our rules. So then fast forward more to this week, more, there's just more conversation among musicians, among other podcasters and in-house podcast science verse says that they're not going to publish episodes un- unless they are dedicated to debunking misinformation on Spotify's own platform. I feel like that didn't get enough play, right? Yeah. Like imagine if, I don't know, SB Nation was like, we're not going to publish any more sports content unless it's dedicated to debunking everything The Verge publishes. Yes. Right. Like, yeah. That is like inside of Spotify, its own podcast is like, we're done. We're all we're going to do is debunk Rogan. And they're like, I don't know. That, it's, that one's the one that's just like, it washed over everything because there's so much noise. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that is a re- insane situation. Yeah. It's, it's brave, honestly, of them to do that. Um, and we can get to Spotify did actually respond. Hot Pot Insiders got the scoop on this one, but um, <laughs> we can get to it. So, Yeah. So then Wednesday, Spotify had its earnings call. Broadly, like everything's looking good from a corporate perspective. You know, users are up, subscribers are up. Notably, the whole podcast play is about getting into ad revenue. So ad revenue now accounts for 15% of their total revenue, which is a big deal for them because like they just launched the Spotify ad network for podcasts like broadly this year. I think last year it was. Um, So also on Wednesday, they took the opportunity to host a town hall internally with employees. We got the entire audio from that. And within it, there's a lot to parse. But you can see that a lot of what Daniel Eck, the CEO, talks about is basically how important Joe Rogan is to the business. And you could probably see that reflected in their earnings. Um, He's critical to the entire podcasting ad apparatus. Um, he also makes the argument that they are a platform, not a publisher. Neelai, I know you're going to want to... dying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, Neelai, I'll let you talk about the hardware part, but they actually talk about why they got into exclusive podcasts and licensing in the first place, and it actually has to do with hardware deals with Apple, or not with Apple. They didn't mention Apple. They mentioned Tesla, they mentioned Google, and they mentioned Amazon. Yeah, I th- that part to me is fascinating. He was like... And I, I wasn't clear if this was podcast in general or Spotify in general, right? But he was like, when we were trying to get deals with Google and Amazon and even Tesla, we didn't have the leverage because our catalog looked just like everyone's catalog. And you can read that as music. Basically, everybody has the same music catalog. You can read that as podcasts when podcasts were an open RSS ecosystem. Everybody has access to the same podcast. So they had no differentiation. And then they they signed the Rogan deal and I'm guessing now, you know, people who want to listen to Joe Rogan on Google smart speakers have to make a deal with Spotify. Amazon, I think, did the same. And then Tesla famously has not had a Spotify app. But I'm guessing a bunch of Tesla owners want to listen to Joe Rogan. So now Spotify can say, if you want Joe Rogan, you got to put our app on your infotainment. I was just going to say the Venn diagram of Tesla owners and Joe Rogan listeners. It's it's very good. It's a- I mean... I have to imagine this helps Elon wanting to get Spotify on a Tesla too, because Elon loves Joe Rogan. I mean, that's just that is fascinating. That whole dynamic of them needing exclusives for these deals. 
Yeah, and and they even say in this town hall as well that the reason they pursued Rogan specifically is because his show was never available on the platform before. And even still, it was the number one most searched podcast. So they were like, we got to get the big dog if we're going to play in this. And they're using it to their advantage as, you know, they should, I guess. After the Rogan deal, just to close this loop, Spotify Premium is now available on Tesla. Right. So they were able, once they got the leverage, they were able to go in and say, okay, there's... Now, do I think Daniel Ek and Elon had to sit down and, you know, Ek had like a giant head of Rogan on a, a stick that was like, you want this? <laughs> like, um, I feel like we've been doing a lot of reenactments of CEO meetings on this episode of the Vergecast. And I believe why that's was it happened. on a stick? Why? Because he's waving like the head because he's okay. decapitated. What were those big vinyl? What were they called? Like fat cats? Do you know what I'm talking about? Fat heads. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. I was like, I went to a much more murderous place and I was like, that feels like he's not going to be out doing podcasts. Um, <laughs> he's like, you want to build a robot, Elon? I've got just the brain for you. <laughs> um, I don't know. But that is fascinating to me because you have Spotify trying to do ads, which is, uh, as we just learned, a business that is very hard if you cannot connect your ad placement to data about what people want. So this is the business they want to grow. This is a business that Apple is crushing Facebook on. Spotify and Apple have the testiest relationship of all, right? Like Spotify has filed complaint after complaint in Europe about Apple's behavior. Apple, they have websites about how Apple is unfair. They are the heart of the coalition of app fairness. (laughs) It's a good name. Like how do you grow that business if everywhere else you look, Advertising is becoming a bad business because you cannot connect the data. Like, I don't know where Spotify is getting its tracking data from, apart from here's what you listen to. For podcasts? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, but like the sad part is in the podcast industry, traditionally, all they've had is IP addresses. So, like, ge- geography um, and like what kind of device you're listening on. So, even just a little music data is helpful. <laughs> oh my God, that's so Aww. sad. <laughs> Right. So Spotify has uh, what's a dynamic ad insertion. So when you stream a podcast, they can stop it and put in whatever ad, like they can target an ad. Oh, streaming ad yeah. insertion. Yeah. We, we have dynamic ad insert. I, I feel like I have to disclose that our podcast is served by Megaphone, which is owned by Spotify. Yeah. I don't, I've never yeah. even seen the Megaphone interface. Andrew, our engineer and producer, I'm sure he's had to look at it a lot. But like, <laughs> I just there's your disclosure. Disclosure is our brand. But that that Spotify buying up the entire tech stack of podcasts so they can make this ad play. But right next to it, Ashley, I think you're saying like the data has been historically so bad that even just knowing that you like Beyonce is like better. It's helpful. Than advertising in (laughs) Apple podcasts. And your age, gender. What I I mean, not to get too into the text, the ad stuff, but. I mean, what's interesting is like the reason why Rogan is also especially lucrative is because the dude sells a ton of crap. Like if you're an advertiser and you advertise on Rogan, like he's huge for you. Like he moves product. And so he moved ivermectin. There you go. So people like really seek him out as an advertiser, which, you know, they need to really get people in the door. And then when you buy ads on Rogan, you have to buy ads on the rest of the Spotify podcast catalog. So they're really using him to just like jumpstart this operation. I just I want to go back to the the, the the concept that they needed Joe Rogan to get leverage to get on platforms that aren't Apple, given that isn't their primary com- competitor in the music space, Apple. Yeah, I mean, it's what Neil I said, like, and this is something I actually wrote about this week is like RSS. Joe Rogan's been around forever. Like, 
all of this came about because people want to moderate Joe Rogan now that he's getting paid reportedly $100 million from Spotify. And like prior to this deal, RSS has allowed him to be distributed basically everywhere other than Spotify. And no one ever really like spoke up about him, maybe a little bit. It was considered controversial, but it never kind of reached this fever pitch. And so Spotify kind of brought this issue upon themselves specifically to gain this leverage and close off the ecosystem to gain a competitive leg up on competition. So, but they would say they're just a platform. But I just don't understand why they they were like, we have to, like, I just don't get why they needed the leverage of this one podcaster. Well, it's the entire exclusives. It's all the exclusives, not just okay, Rogan. Okay. But like if you like Rogan or you like Heavyweight or whatever from Gimlet and it's not available through your Alexa device, you might start being pissed and be like, where is my Rogan? They got the like modern day Howard Stern. I mean, isn't isn't his show like listened to by like more of like than all cable primetime combined? Like it's I mean, his reach is massive. It's like pretty safe to assume tens of millions. They say he's the number one podcaster in 93 markets. Yeah, I mean, they got Howard Stern. I mean, they went for the top and they got it. So it's I, I mean, I can see why they did it. They wanted the best in terms of reach, in terms of, you know, numbers, not saying best in terms of content, but. If Harry and Meghan had delivered their podcast last year, <laughs> would we still be in this position we're in right now? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Like, you know how there's like shock waves before an earthquake? Yeah. The tremors before this earthquake were like a bunch of stories that were like, what happened to all those podcast deals that Spotify signed? <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, my entire author page right now is Spotify stories and not just because of Rogan. It was they shut down an in-house studio. I've written about like programmatic ads kind of going wrong on their platform. Like it's been building. So they've got this big business and we haven't talked about the platform versus publisher thing because I want you to <laughs> the headache that it's causing. <laughs> for me. Um, we talked about it last week. We did, but now we know, like we have this like line from act that honestly, it's just exhausted. Like my jaw is clenching just thinking about it, but I just want to finish the <laughs> podcast business thing. What's fascinating to me and connecting it to, to Facebook is like their service is built on renting music that everyone else can rent. And they do it at like artists are mad at Spotify. Artists don't make any money, right? This is why Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and whoever else can just like bail. But they have no differentiation there except for like user experience, right? And playlists and potentially your friend lists and network effects and whatever. But like kind of who cares? But this is still the most competitive market in tech that I can think of. Like when I joke that YouTubers, like the end point of every YouTuber's life cycle is a video about how they're mad at YouTube. Like they're still like, they're still on YouTube. Like they can make that video and they can, <laughs> right. And then they have to make a big decision about what kind of life they want to lead. And they all stay on YouTube. We get mad at Facebook and maybe it took what, four years of sustained negative Facebook stories for them to lose 1 million daily actives in a quarter and we feel like that's going to take the business. It's like still not a huge effect. No. And it's not that 1 million is not even really because of the PR. I mean, I'm sure the PR has a role in it, but the products just are getting irrelevant in terms of the way it's designed for younger people. I mean, that's like the hard truth. I mean, that may be an unpopular view of it, but I don't think it was the PR that led to the 1 million. Right. So, so it's still like, yeah. right. But Spotify, like, and you can just go down the list. Like you're mad at Google search. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> enjoy being that's not going away spotify is one where if you're mad you can go yeah and there's competition right i mean that's the difference like, in perfect competition yeah and that's the difference between 
you know, Apple and Google and Spotify and Meta, right? The way like platforms versus, I mean, I was, this is like very Ben Thompson-y, but like his whole thing is platforms versus aggregators, you know, companies that aggregate attention are much more vulnerable to this kind of stuff, to competitive pressures than platforms, you know, that lock people into their platform. And Spotify is not a platform. It's a publisher. <laughs> All right. Now we have to talk about it. I just wanted to make that point. Like they are trying to build this walled garden podcast ecosystem because it is the thing that protects them from competition. And it's the thing that gives, and that protection gives them leverage to distribute the app on all these platforms that would otherwise just say, like, you want music in your Tesla, just pay us the money and all the music will be here. Or you want music on your Amazon Echo, pay us $4 a month and we'll give you an Amazon music subscription to it. That's what Amazon would prefer. That's why they have that plan. But Spotify is saying, well, you want what these people want is Joe Rogan and they're already paying for us and they're going to mad at you if you ask them to pay again. So I just like from a business perspective, I think it's fascinating. From a moral perspective, the platform versus publisher thing is just such pure corporate both sides nonsense. First of all, just definitionally, Spotify is not a platform. I dare you to try to upload some shit to Spotify. <laughs> this right is now. the lawyer Neil I was waiting for. Like, Let's go. You cannot do it. Like, how do you get you cannot do it? You have to go through some intermediary. There's one place where you can upload stuff to Spotify. It's Anchor their user-generated podcast platform that has the programmatic ads problem and mostly has ads for Anchor running on it, according to <laughs> Ashley's reporting. Yes. That's it. That's what they got. That's their user-generated content. I'm guessing that's where, when they're like, we took down 20,000 episodes, I'm guessing those are all Anchor podcasts. Everything else is ingested through a megaphone or some other distribution service, right? Yeah, through a hosting platform. But like the key thing in this case with them is that they're paying Rogan. Well, so they're paying Rogan, but like they also own the ringer and they own Gimlet and they like, they have this deal with the Obama's like, do you think the people at the ringer are just like, we are owned by a platform and we have complete editorial. No, they work for a company. The company is liable for what they publish. The people at Gimlet, it's exactly the same deal. If you were to, if, if Joe Rogan said something horribly defamatory towards someone, that person isn't going to like, ah, well, Spotify is just a plot. No, they're going to sue Spotify too. And I, th I just don't think they see that accountability because they say they're a platform and it's just nonsense. I mean, I think they see that accountability. I think that's why they say they're a platform, right? Like, yeah, I'm sure they understand the argument and where it puts them. Well, can I just read the, can I read the line that makes yeah. my jaw clench? <laughs> Spotify doesn't fit neatly into just one category, said Daniel Eck. Quote, we are defining an entirely new space of tech and media. We're a very different kind of company, and the rules of the road are being written as we innovate. That's a lie. The, ro <laughs> the, 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 the road was paved. Sorry. The road was paved like a decade ago. Netflix has paved the road. There are so many other companies that have paved the road, and Spotify doesn't get to just act like it's new to kind of divert attention from the fact that they paid a man $100 million and now he says really stupid things that destroy Neli's love of the Green Bay Packers. Like they they don't get to they don't get to. I just know make that up. Aaron did not perform well in that game because he was distracted by the noise. I'm just saying it. I should be it's, very excited about the Super Bowl, and I'm not. I, Eck did say this about Rogan, and this you know I get this. If you do run a platform, you have to say this from time to time. Eck said this about Rogan. There are many things Joe Rogan says that I strongly disagree with and find very offensive. Okay, like. I just, I think the idea that you're going to sign this exclusive deal to distribute something on what you consider to be a platform and then not accept 
the editorial choice you have made to take that thing because you need it to support your business goals is a total cop out. I completely understand the business goals. You need leverage to get distribution for your app, which would otherwise be undifferentiated from everyone's content catalog. And you've got to build this advertising business around podcasts because the, you know, 15% of all the money you make on user fees for music have to go back to the artists. Like you're just, your margins are compressed forever. Yeah, but those are deals that are just written. Neil, you're coming at this as an editor in chief. Daniel Eck is the CEO of a tech company that, like, he's not a he doesn't think of himself as a. All this discussion about Joe Rogan, I've been listening to a lot of it, not even just this podcast. We in the media are obsessed with this because we're obsessed with responsibility and the responsibility you have to like put good information out into the world and like the checks that come with that. And like these companies don't see themselves as that, and even if they experiment with it. It's not their North Star is like taking responsibility for the things that people on their platform <laughs> say. And like they're legally don't need to. So it's like unless he We shouldn't call it a platform. We shouldn't let's not right, let's we said not, it's well, not no, a it is, but I'm just saying like I don't think people forward. care outside of the media industry as much about that. People probably have strong thoughts about what Joe Rogan said and whether he should be on Spotify or not, but like Spotify's responsibility that if Joe Rogan says some crazy shit, you know, I just, they don't see themselves that way. So why should we hold them to the standard that we hold ourselves to as a news publication? I mean, what do, I mean, what do you think about that? Because they're not a platform. Sure. I, I buy it. Maybe I'm like a little heated today. Cause I, we like, if you work at the verge, it appears that I do like a lot of nothing, which is great. That's my whole goal <laughs> is to like float along. But like some percentage of my brain space is like legal threats that in, like come to us. Right. And so we have to be buttoned up just to like, write the big scoops and investigations so that when those people are mad and try to sue us, we're like buttoned up. And so you're right. There's like just a, a frame of mind that I'm in that is like a defensive posture about the first amendment. And I think that cuts both ways that if you want to like enjoy the first amendment, the way that we do in the media, we have this responsible to not just like defame people. <laughs> Cause if we like screw up a bunch of those lawsuits, we will screw up defamation law in America and, that will actually be a threat to the first amendment. And this is like, this is not, we're innovating. We're making up the rules of the road. This is when I talk to our lawyers, like don't fuck it up. Like you will fuck up the first <laughs> amendment. So this is like a big deal for us. The comparison I would make Spotify is trying to run the same game as Netflix, right? Netflix started out as a wholesale distributor of other people's content. So like NBC or CBS or whoever would like have a bunch of movies and they would just like sell them to Netflix and Netflix is streaming them because no one thought streaming was real. And then Netflix quickly realized they had to like have their own content because all of those companies were going to take their movies away and run their own direct to consumer. So they invest in content. And now Netflix has two CEOs. They have a tech CEO, Reed Hastings, and they have a media CEO. And I, that to me is like Ted Sarandos media CEO. That's where Spotify is going to end up here because they are trying to run a massive content business without accepting their, like, who is in charge of the ringer? Is it just Bill Simmons? That's cool. Does he have the same standards as Gimlet? That's weird. Like, someone has to break those ties. And when you go out to make the deals to distribute something else, you become responsible for it, whether or not you want to be. Like, if we ran a piece from a freelancer and someone tried to sue us, my defense could not be, well, we merely licensed this content from a freelancer to put on our platform. Uh, yeah, I guess here's my point, is that, we are like Spotify is being 
responsible because it is taking the responsibility of its decision. Like it's not saying like, we're going to ignore this situation. It's saying, no, we're going to keep Joe Rogan on the platform. He didn't say anything illegal. He said some wild stuff. He says a lot of wild stuff that is taking responsibility. It's not like the responsibility that Joe Rogan haters want them to take, but like, or like what we would take as a newsroom and like our, our, you know, medical facts, you know, standards that we have with publishing content. But that is, it's, it is a version of taking responsibility, like taking, not taking responsibility would just be like not even caring, like completely ignoring it and waiting till a lawsuit shows up if he says something illegal. So like I, you know, that's, that's kind of how I view it. Yeah. And I, I think it would be different if they were a YouTube, right? If they were an open access platform and they had to make some rules that made sense, but this, because I think of the scale of the number and the importance Ash, I think you had this quote, right? The impo- it seems like everything at Spotify for employees feels like it has to support Rogan because that's the thing that supports the rest of the business. Well, just from a business perspective, like if that's what your employees think. And then you're saying to them, this is the thing that creates leverage to do our business and we didn't have it. Our business would look different. Wow. You've made a huge bet on one person that doesn't feel like you can control. And if you're Joe Rogan, I've said this on like my wife listens to Joe Rogan when her favorite comedians are on. Like I've, have listened to the show. He's very charming, but he gets rolled by other charming con men. That's actually the issue here. Like, okay, fine. But if you're him, like, why wouldn't you just bail out of this and accept like all of the gambling money that's floating around realize like, Oh, I could just call Tesla and get the distribution deal that Spotify is using my name to get. Like I, it seems like Spotify has backed itself into a fairly dangerous corner where they they're building the future of their growth on one guy who can leave all the noise that has been created. Can he leave, Ashley? Can he just leave? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I almost feel like maybe they were hoping this exact situation would play out when the deal expires. Like, that they could be like, we wrote this. I don't know the exact deal terms. I'm going to assume it was like two to three years. That's typically how their deals, it seems, have been structured. So I would say, like, they were probably hoping, give us the two to three years. Let's just grow this ad business as much as possible. We'll get the advertisers hooked. Rogan might peace out, might not. I don't know. But, like, we can move on. Unfortunately, it didn't happen like that. And, yeah, like, what Tanilai is saying is, like, they've bought the – Gimlet considers itself a journalistic enterprise. And the science verse, the science verse host and editor are, like, this actively makes us doing our job harder. You have someone on our platform – saying things that are wildly wrong about the things that we report on. And that is the dicey situation, I think. And, you know, that's, that's where, and to me, it's just the money. I think it's like, you can't, it's a lot. All this to say, they did talk, they clearly talked to Joe Rogan. Oh, well, yeah. He's agreed to put labels on his content. He was contrite ish and said he was going to do a better job of like, there's some amount of pressure that Spotify was able to impose on and they've rolled out, like, now when you go to upload a podcast on Anchor, they give you the rules, which is amazing. They didn't tell anyone the rules before, actually. I think they're just kind of, like, speed running what it means to be a media company. <laughs> it, that's truly what it is. <laughs> and they're just, like, pit-stopping at what if we were Facebook along the way. And that's just a bad, that's a bad place to be. I wish Daniel would have called his good friend Zuckerberg because uh, he would tell him that labels do not work. Yes. <laughs> uh, especially with Joe Rogan. Um, who do we think is going to like see a pop up and decide, oh, maybe I'm not going to listen to this <laughs> about COVID? <laughs> like, I just don't see that working. If anything, people distrust labels. I went on MSNBC to talk about this and I was asked if I thought the labels would work. And I was like, no, because the labels just say, go listen to the CDC. And do you think that Joe Rogan listeners are going to pick the CDC over Rogan? And 
I will tell you that this idea was met with complete shock. Of course. What if I got like a Joe Rogan impersonator to read the stuff at the CDC? <laughs> That's great. Um, Tash, your prediction is this is going to burn out, right? Um, it kind of is like multiple, like it's either going to burn out, like this is it, we've reached the apex and we're done, or employees are going to organize and speak up and be like, we're uncomfortable with this. Or you're going to have more musicians and podcasters also speak up and exert some pressure. So it's like, those are basically, I think the three options. I suppose the wild card is Rogan leaves his deal, but I don't see that happening. Yeah. By the way, I want to make clear, I don't think Jorgen should be canceled or taken off the air or censored. I think he should probably look at this moment and try to do a much better job with his platform. This is Alex's point about I am a media person and we take this very seriously. And you should take that seriously. Like that's actually the right outcome, right? Is you use your huge platform and you like improve the, like when he's like, I'm often unprepared, like all of, all of the alarm bells go off. Maybe he's not always unprepared. He's just saying it, but that's the right outcome, right? Is to improve the product and Spotify because they paid the money look like a party that is accountable for the improvement of the product. So that's, that's the right outcome. It's not, Get, you can't disappear Joe Rogan. And they're building the product around him. Like, that's the other interesting thing is like they're building the product around him. They launched video podcasts basically in coordination with him coming to the platform. They are rolling out interactive ads. Rogan, I think, was a show they used as an example. Like, it's just fascinating, kind of like what this employee who I quoted said, which is like everything kind of rolls up to Rogan. It's like, well, if you're looking at product innovation, <laughs> those two right there is straight up just Rogan stuff. Man. All right. Well, hopefully Apple does some like product innovations to compete because Apple Music is just like a dusty wasteland of a product. What if they combined uh, podcasts and music? Still, I don't know if anybody wants that. You know, <laughs> the, like, I think just, Galaxy Rain. I would like some more ads in my settings app for it. I think that would work great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm an Apple Music listener and it's fine. I'm sorry. It, it is aggressively fine. Uh, Neil Young's happy because there's lossless. Okay, we got to take a break and then we're going to do a quick lightning round. There's actually, there's so much going on this week. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right. We're back. We're going to do a lightning round. I'm just going to say a headline and then randomly call on one of you for an immediate reaction. <laughs> so it's like class. Yeah. It's like a first year law class. All right. Alex Heath. Sony is buying Bungie, the developer of Destiny and the original creator of Halo. FOMO. You think that's it? I mean, I mean, isn't this just like game industry consolidation? Like that is going to keep happening and everyone's like, oh, we need more studios. It's like similar to what has been happening in an ad tech because of the Apple changes. Like every time there's these kind of seismic moves, everyone's just like chase for scale, chase for scale. That seems like the rationale behind that, right? Yeah. Do you agree with my prediction that Apple has been blowing it for a long time in games and they will have to make an Like Halo was originally demoed on the Mac. It's very funny. Oh, yeah. But if they want to sell a $2,000 headset or however much that thing is going to cost, don't they need some like yeah. major killer app or piece of gaming IP? They do. To make the case? They do. And like they have the white glove Apple Arcade thing, and I'm sure that will factor into the headset. But yeah, it's that's the benefit you know, of being a platform is you can simultaneously command the most profits in mobile gaming while also sucking the most at mobile gaming. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Um, Maybe they'll figure it out. You know, they've got some money. They could maybe figure it out if they try. They're what not going to buy a studio. They got to do something. Yeah, they're not going to buy a studio. because They're not going to because then, yeah, the studio will unionize and Tim could, <laughs> no. Like, like it's, it's, too, it's, it's too much drama for them to buy a studio. But also they, they won't have to, especially like if this headset comes out and it's as, as game changing as everybody seems to anticipate it or one of its like followers being they're not going to have to just like they didn't have to buy a studio to to dominate on on the iphone like if they get the users it doesn't matter they don't need it that's totally true and like sony is doing this because microsoft has been quietly consolidating like heck and just bought cod call of duty and all this other stuff so like yeah sony sony needs i mean this was obviously in the works long before Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard and that still might not even happen. But like everybody just wants to consolidate right now there because Sony and Microsoft are like, well, we got to buy everything before Google decides to do Stadia 2 and go on a buying spree or Facebook or, or not Facebook, Amazon. Oh, watch out for Google. Google's really going to destroy everyone. <laughs> yeah, you know, like there, I think there's just this weird fear there. And they're, they're also seeing everybody else like vertical integration works. It's working really, really well for a lot of the 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 in the film and like street all of streaming has shown that vertical integration's great. I, but here's my argument. All of that stuff was like it's happening on your phone and your phone's great. Yeah. And it's yeah. a camera and it's a tech, like whatever. It's got all this utility that was great and Apple could sell it. They're trying to put a computer on your face, man. Like they can't just like assume that everyone's going to do it. Right. If it's a pretty enough computer. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, but like Beat Saber's already been purchased. What are they, what are they, what, what killer app are they going to purchase? Oh, there's stuff out there. They did buy a VR content company. Um, that was struggling based out here in Southern California. I'm trying to remember what it was actually. That shows like how a magnanimous relevant purchase? it was. They have, they have game people working on AR stuff. I don't know if they're going to do like full IP there or just license or whatever, but I mean, they need something. Yeah. I'm surprised they haven't bought more studios, but, but the AAA studios aren't even looking in that direction no. yet. Like they, they kind of flirt There's with no it. Market. They, they're like, Oh yeah, we'll put something out on Oculus because face, because meta gives us meta pays money. Us. Yeah, there's no market. But they don't they don't they don't care. Like they 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 don't need to buy one until there's actually a market and then they might. But if they went and right. like Apple will make the market and then yeah, exactly. All right. 
Alex Kranz, Wordle has been bought by the New York Times, reported for a number that in their own press release, the Times is like the low seven figures, which is an incredible, <laughs> weird self-dunk um, and will initially remain free to play for everyone. I finally played Wordle. I now I now know how it works. I did it. I, I, I use beast as my starting word there. Oh, that's a good one. And and I got really upset because somebody this week did like a study to figure out what is the scientifically best word that you can play Wordle with as your starting word. And it just made me furious because that's not the point of Wordle. Like, you don't want to game Wordle. You don't want to get like cheats. There's always that person. There is that person and I hate them. I want to be the- good at Wordle. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I want to be um, good at it, but I don't want to like go to gamefacts.com and figure out the best way to to get my my score this week. But it was always going to be New York Times, right? Like New York Times was always going to be the one if somebody bought this, it wasn't going to be Apple and it wasn't going to be It should have been Apple. Apple would have been like from time to time Apple buys smaller companies and we do not say why. And it's like <laughs> dude, it's Wordle. Also like, Wordle. Yeah. Yeah, I no there's no I mean it's also such a low price. That was the reaction I had immediately. It was like if this was Mark Zuckerberg, he'd put like a 16x multiple on that. Um <laughs> yeah, like just just for fun. It's like network effects baby. I mean, come on. Like <laughs> put that shit behind a paywall. I think it's like I, I love that they bought it. I mean, it, it's it's going to suck when we eventually get the brought to you by New York Times banner on it. And when some other weird ad appears, just thus ruining why everybody likes Wordle. So one of our top stories of the week is all of Wordle is contained in the source of the page. So you can just download all of Wordle. That explains the price. Yeah. Yeah. And so they can just rip <laughs> it off. What's interesting about this to me is... Uh, it's like an NFT you stop it right now. It's pronounced Neft, by the way. <laughs> um, Sorry, they bought a Neft and now just copy paste your way out of it. Neft. Our new security reporter, Cornfake, is like, he is trolling the most troll. Oh, man. What a like, he was initially very apologetic. He's like, I wrote a dumb post. And now he's like, wait, oh, this no. is who I am. He shouldn't apologize. That's, That's a beautiful blog. He's touched the blogging power. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> his Twitter feed is just people DMing him how mad they are about Neft and him being like, I apologize for nothing. It's great. Um, <laughs> It's good. It's it's a perfect. This is what the verge is for. I just think, in the context of all the Spotify conversation, the New York Times is trying to make. They're trying to acquire more users, and they can't do it with just news. So it's like recipes and word games are their growth markets. It's and they bought the Athletic and audio app and audio. Yeah. Oh right, and they're doing premium That's audio. True. That was their press release. Was like we've hit our subscriber goal because we bought two million of them with the Athletic. <laughs> And next earnings, it's going to be like 15 million subscribers because we are charging for Wordle. Uh, <laughs> who, who will pay for Wordle? I don't get it. No one's going to pay for Wordle. They, that's why will. it's initially free. They're just going to they're going to be like, have you tried spelling bee? Like, that's what they're going to do. Ashley, Peloton made a $90 heart rate monitor for your arm. They also lost a patent case. And the USPTO ruled that their stuff isn't patentable and competitors can copy it. Yeah. So... Neilai knows. Also, I think a Peloton rider. I have a Peloton here. Oh. Um, the heart rate monitor. Not going to save Peloton. Not not the product <laughs> that's going to revive Peloton. I don't think. Unless they sell a shit ton of heart rate monitors. Um, I definitely took a Peloton ride today, and the instructor is like, "I've been here for eight years, and I still love it." And I was like, "The, the vibes <laughs> in this are all off, man." I love how you said I took a Peloton ride, like you went somewhere. Well, it's, it's been two years, man. I can go upstairs. I can go downstairs. It's an emotional journey. <laughs> yeah. Everyone wants to think uh, Peloton. By the way, another company that has been feuding with Apple. 
because their their one bike has Apple Watch integration and like only for parts of it. They couldn't get it on the treadmill. It's once you see it, it is everywhere. They should join the coalition for app fairness. That would save them. <laughs> Alex Kranz, Google has leaked the Pixel Six A name in a coloring book. Like I just they they did a full like the six this the the six they were like we're just gonna tell you everything you're not gonna see it and we're gonna tell you five months in advance and this time they're like two people will see this <laughs> and they're both Google super fans who bought it was like a speaker that they got in the mail or like a it was a Nest camera I think it was a Nest audio smart speaker it, okay I was almost there so it was a Nest speaker they like the super fans and of course the super fan will be like yeah I'm gonna scan this nailed it. And I just love that. It's it's so goofy. You have to imagine they were really hoping this would happen. And when it did, they were like, yes. Also, yeah. in Google oh, yeah. earnings, they said uh, they've sold more Pixel devices than ever before, which is five. So they sold, yeah, like five or six now. Good job. Good job. You know, wasn't this supposed to be like the iPhone moment for the Pixel? Yes. They sold more than ever. I don't know it. one person who has it. All I know is that that back thing, the back bump is an atrocity. It's so ugly. <laughs> this is why we miss Dieter. Dieter would Dieter be like, well, but they tried. Yeah. <laughs> Come like back, Dieter. If you're listening, like I, I need you, man. I'm going to take up the net neutrality one. The appeals court held up California's net neutrality law. This is to me the most galaxy brain Trump administration lawyering that has ever been lawyered. So the Trump FCC got rid of net neutrality, right? That was the first thing they did. They're like, it's gone. And then they try to write a law saying it was so gone that the federal government would no longer regulate broadband and it would have no business doing such a thing ever again. And also state governments can't do it either. And then all the states were like, but you just said you can't regulate broadband. So why can you regulate us regulating broadband? And this is, it is 2022 and a court is like, yeah, that, that seems a little silly. So California still has an neutrality law, complete galaxy brain lawyering. Very good. I love Um, it. And there's all these memes about that Charlie didn't do anything. It's because these court cases are just from like burning along in the background. And that the case is not about net neutrality. It's whether a government agency can devoid itself of authority and then prevent a state from having the same authority that it once had. That's not normal. Like you can't have a dinner conversation about that. Yeah, you, you lost wonder me. why the news isn't covering net neutrality. <laughs> you totally like, lost but me. But you can't have a podcast conversation. I can do it for hours, sir. I have a podcast. <laughs> All right, last one. Tesla rolls out a new feature that disables your seat controls if you mess with them too much because the motors overheat. They put up a warning. I do. It's good. I want a car that tells me what to do. I think that's where we should go <laughs> as a society. Is this like mainly for small children? Like when you'd get in your, 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 your dad's car and just start messing with a seat until they said no, never again? I think it's mainly for the people who drive Teslas and act like small children who do it. Okay. Who like don't aren't in the driver's seat when autopilot is on. They're <laughs> <laughs> just like messing with the seat. Yeah. Just sitting there. The warning will come up. Seat track motor unavailable due to excessive use. Wait five minutes to adjust the seat again. It's very good. Um this made me. Th- I haven't adjusted the seat in my car since I bought it, and I was like, "What am I? Am I missing out?" Um, like, no. uh, I you, mean, as someone who moves a seat now, yeah. Like the only time I've ever done it is when my friend gets in my car and jacks my seat all the way back because she apparently has the legs of a gazelle, and then like I need to, I need to be able to get back up so I can reach the pedals. All right. Well, that's, calm that's down, Crans. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excessive use. <laughs> my Mazda's gonna yell at me when I get in it next. All right. We've gone over, as always. Hopefully next week, Dieter is back to put some order and semblance of 
normalcy back to this podcast. You were all wonderful. I think we got another week of Spotify stories out of us. That's my prediction. Okay. We'll see if I'm back again. We'll see. But that's it. Uh, I want to call it two stories on the site. Uh, Liz Lopato has a great story about accountants heading in tax season who are all quitting their jobs. And it is just a very funny, like the whole thing is hilarious. Uh, I mean, in one way, sad for accountants in another way, very funny because they're all just like dunking on the profession of accounting. Very good. Read that. Uh, Allison Johnson has an explainer on all of the 5G icons that are now pro- proliferating everywhere. There's a hearing today where the, the United States Congress dunked on the industry for the problems it had with planes. <laughs> very good. We're going to write that up. Um, but the icon explainer is just very good. Allison did a great job with that. Decoder this week was Career Karma CEO Ruben Harris. Uh, he's great. You should just listen to that episode. He's a cool founder. Uh, we got more Decoder coming up next week. And hopefully, like I said... Dieter Bone will stop being a I'm assuming he's just like drinking. He's just like drinking a frosty tropical drink right now. Yeah, he shouldn't he, be listening. He's to just this. like in his backyard felling trees, right? And like biking. And biking. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe he has pina coladas. <laughs> I hope you're having a pina colada, Dieter. Anyway, we miss you. Ideally, he's back next week. Uh, we'll be back with the Verge cast. That's it. Rock and roll. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.